Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Crider here with the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast, where we learn these small changes we can make in our lives and leadership that make a massive difference in the future in the lives, not only our lives, the lives of those that we serve and those whom we lead. And uh, I am so blessed and honored today as, I mean, week after week, we have these people from throughout the world meet, meet here in this, in this studio and ask hard questions about life and leadership. And I'm so blessed today to have the president of Atlanta Life Ministries, Lisa Hostel, with me, my friend for many years. Welcome. Yes. Hi, Larry. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, I remember we worked together in the regional church for many, yeah. many years on that team. And we'd meet month after month and just pray and seek God for our region and, yeah. and uh, so thrilled with what God has done done throughout our region Mm -hmm. and the nations uh, Mm -hmm. through those times. Well, Lisa, Align Life Ministries, explain what that is first, and then we're going to dig in. I'm going to dig into your life and leadership, things you've learned and all that. So talk to us about what is Align Life Ministries. So it started in 1985 as a pregnancy resource center. Okay. We've grown through the years to become a pregnancy services ministry, and we also have strategic partnerships and also equipping resources. So Align is because God's taught us how to align with Him and the clients we serve. That's their greatest need to align with Him. I like it. And then life is because their greatest need is spiritual life in Him. Yes. And also we are after the physical lives of the unborn babies, wanting the women and men to choose life. And then ministries is plural because we have three areas. There's pregnancy services, partnerships, and equipping resources. Great. Just talk a little bit about those three, just so before we get started. Yeah, so pregnancy services, if people are familiar with what a pregnancy center does, we offer uh, the truth of God and practical services to young women and men who are in an unintended pregnancy. Okay. So that's that portion. And we also offer post-abortion support to women right. and men who've experienced abortion. Right. Now, I was aware of that part of your ministry for many, many years. Yeah. Talk about yeah. the other two. Okay. So the strategic partnerships, uh, that... That evolved as God showed us that we had learned some things from him through the years that would be good to share with others and to and that we're better together when we partner together. And so like one example of that is in Philadelphia, for instance, an hour and a half east of us. There are three to four pregnancy centers. And in our region of two counties, there's six or seven. Population-wise, if Philadelphia was as well-served, there would be 40. Wow. And so, like, it behooves us, and it's in our hearts, to help them, to come alongside them and help them in many different practical ways, spiritual ways, relationally, and also financially at times. Okay. So. Helpful. Now, we want to go back into your life as, as a leader. Things, First of all, I mean, you love Jesus. You've given your life totally to Christ. Yeah. How did that happen? Was you a child? Or how did I was. I was really? four. You and were four? I, yes. I mean, I know that James Dobson was three, 
So, I mean, I know it's valid that I was four when it happened. I never doubted it, but there was a woman sharing Jesus through our neighborhood, and that's how I got saved and talked to my mom about it that night and grew up in a, you know, Christian family going to church all the time. And so I just continued to grow, although when I was in middle school, early high school, I remember thinking is there something I'm missing out on? And so I kind of ventured a little bit into some other areas. Of, sure. Like I remember going to a slumber party where there was beer and a, you know I started to go to dances, which wasn't my parents' preference. And I remember one dance where I was in a slow dance and I remember looking around at the half drunk people in the periphery of the cafeteria yeah. and just having this foreboding sense of like, oh man, like, if Jesus returned right now, right. here's where I'd be. And then I had the next thought was like, uh, he doesn't have to return. He sees me. What am I doing? <laughs> I excused myself from that dance. I went to the ladies' restroom and I said to the Lord, that's it. I'm giving you my all. I'm not messing around anymore. You know, it's kind of like all or nothing. It was that yeah, kind of exactly. yeah. switch. So many of us have had that double experience. You know, yeah, I was like 11 yeah. when I first gave my heart to the Lord and we understood, but I wasn't living close to God at all. I lived a double life. And then it was 18 when hmm. Jesus became the Lord. I gave it all. Yeah. And I find so many, especially those who grew up in Christian homes, yeah. have the double experience or mm-hmm. triple experience in some cases. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously that was the case for you. Now talk about leadership. You know, When did you first realize, maybe I'm called to lead something? Or you know, when did that first start happening for you? Well, I mean, when I think way back in elementary school, they saw whatever kind of leadership responsibility that might make somebody be a good crossing guard. Right. So I was a school patrolman, you know, and and then I was a co-captain on the track team. And then in after high school, I was involved with Youth for Christ, and I was a, what was called a senior high club leader. So I was in charge of the, the students the, you know, students at that time in my school district. And that involved uh, discipling them, you know, uh, mentoring, being a role model for them. And so I would say there was a touch of that as I grew up, but it really happened when I began to get jobs that involved leadership. Okay. Okay. Can you remember any specific principles or things you learned back then that you still use today? I would say... Honoring leadership above me and really caring about the people who were on the team around me. So, yeah, respect for leadership and compassion and uh, collaboration with those around me. So, so, so good. Now, let's talk about the early days of what was called Susquehanna Valley Pregnancy. Right. How some of that was birthed. Let's just talk about that whole process. There's a lot of leadership principles we can learn from that. Yeah. So... Go for it. All right. So there was a group of women back in 1983 who were very pro-life and felt that you shouldn't just be pro-life, you know, in your conviction, but you should put your pro-life convictions into action. And so they prayed together for a while, uh, affiliated with the most evangelical national group, you know, the overseas pregnancy ministries, and uh, reached out to the church in Lebanon County is where we started and had full church support, basically. No, enough. You, you were involved with this group at that no, point? No, I just you, like heard about it. You heard I about it. I was still okay. in another ministry okay. serving as director of counseling. Okay. And, 
And then they were ready to hire a director, and I applied, and they hired me, which was kind of amazing. <laughs> it is a kind of amazing experience as a 24-year-old to have people call you or refer to you as the director wow. of the ministry, you know, this fledgling brand-new ministry. And <laughs> I felt like I knew nothing about it because I actually did know nothing about running a ministry right. or, or really I didn't know a whole lot about pro-life. You know, I right. knew that I was, but so I had, I guess I had some catching up to do. Uh, one way that I did that is we opened in May of 1985 and in York, a nearby county, uh, that pregnancy ministry was opening a month before us. And so their volunteer training was happening. So I took their volunteer okay. training. So I'd have a leg up on our volunteers right. who were trained the next month. To <laughs> so stay ahead of those you're leaving. Yeah, just by about a half an inch. Yeah, in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. So then... Uh, uh, at Susquehanna Valley Pregnancy Center, you know, was birthed and, and began in operation. Obviously, you had to build a team. Yeah. What have you learned about teamwork as you look back at those days? What did you learn back then that still helps you today? That if you look into somebody's life and the way they're functioning in a ministry, the way they're serving or the way they're leading, right. it's pretty evident what their gifting is. And when you call that out in people yes. and when you have confidence in people, because you can see that, wow, that's a God-given gift. They're going right. to be able to excel in that. Uh, then I would do that. And that's I good. would help people rise up to a level that they didn't feel called to. Um, but they, they would do it and they would see that, yeah, this is something that I can do. You know, So I, I guess I would like see in people what they would be good at right. if they would step into it. And then I'd be like their cheerleader and sometimes their coach, enabling them to excel in that. Another thing I did early on, there were 30 volunteers who were ministering to the clients who came in. Wow. And and so I was, I was like looking out for 30 people. Well, I could do that better at a volunteer meeting than I could do all through any given day when I also had administrative responsibilities. Right. So I knew that I needed what I called shift leaders. So let's say four volunteers would come in for a shift and I typically would help them get started, but I had to do something related to fundraising or prepare for a board meeting or something right. else at that particular time. And so, so what God showed me is that I should see within that group of four people who is the best you know, chance of being a strong leader. And so I, I identified shift leaders. And then I worked with those sure. 12 more closely right. than I could with all 30. Sounds like a Jesus model. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> I think 12, he came up know? with it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So looking back now, you know, as you were involved in leadership back in those days, and looking back now, can you remember any of the things that you learned back then? You say, you know, that marked me for life. There's things I learned back then. Of course, we're going to talk later about your new book, The Unexhausted Leader. Many leaders are exhausted. I love that title. Uh, do you remember any, anything else you learned back then? You say, you know, that changed my life. I still apply today those things I learned back then. Well, one thing that I remember learning early on, I was at a conference with other pregnancy center directors. There were about two or 300 of us, and we'd sit around tables and what can happen in a setting like that, and this is probably typical of many Christian leaders who gather together, is that there's a 
comparison that right, happens. There is right. a talking about how large your right. ministry or church is and how many clients you've served and how big your budget is. And you kind of slide it in there in a way that doesn't appear to be bragging, but it actually is. And I remember at my first conference thinking, look, I don't even, I don't want to ever be like this, you know, but also the trap that happens when that's happening is that you begin to compare yourself to these other ministries and you're either better or worse, which is never good and isn't (laughs) how God views it. And so there was a speaker at the first conference who talked about not getting into that trap and instead seeing the uniqueness, the unique way that God designed your ministry to function and to be content in that and to, you know, improve in that, but to not compare yourself against the others. You can learn from each other, but not to compare yourself in terms of um, these benchmarks of what we would think are success when I think really God is looking for a quality of relationship with Him, and then the fruit of that will come naturally. Right. You know, Paul the Apostle says it well, those who compare themselves among themselves or by themselves are not wise. Yes. And, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. I have found often that if I compare myself to someone who's doing a much better job than I am, it gets depressing. Yeah. You know, and then you <laughs> find someone who's doing something and you think you're doing a better job, get yeah. into pride. Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> so it's basically comparing ourselves with who God called us to be and our mm-hmm. ministry to be, mm-hmm. and that's where, the, that's where the blessing comes. So somewhere along the, the way there, you changed names. Yes. Why did you do that and how did that happen? And walk through that leadership process with us a bit. Yeah, that was a huge process. So the name change followed the change that God was working into our ministry for, I would say, easily eight to 10 years, which was that, so we were a pregnancy ministry, but along the way, God taught us the importance of partnering with others, of sharing the wisdom he taught us with others. Right. And he had already put in my heart that I should write a book. And so we realized that pregnancy centers usually are pretty exclu- exclusively focused on what they Correct. do. They don't usually branch right. out. And so our name, Susquehanna Valley Pregnancy Services, besides having 13 or 14 syllables and being hard to say, <laughs> that it didn't no, it no longer described the fullness of uh-huh. who God was calling us to be. And so through about a two-year process and through prayer, he essentially renamed us in the way I like to think of it as Abram became Abraham or Saul became Paul, like he did that in the Bible. And it it was as though he was renaming us who we were in the spirit realm and according to the DNA that he had put in us. So, So that's why the name Align to me is such a beautiful name because that's what he's taught us to do is to align with him. And so we went through the process of hearing that from him, align life ministries. And then of course, it's a very long and important process of helping the people who are in your camp, you know, your staff, your your volunteers, your supporters, your churches, to understand why you would do such a radical thing like that, like change your name. 
Um, so that, that took some time. I remember I went to a church about a year ago, and it's been several years now that our name is new, but you know, our other name had existed for, let's just say, 33, 34 years. Right. And a, an usher greeted me at the door. He was older. And the first thing he said was, why'd you change your name? <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of smiled and, you know, I got it. I understood. And, and so I explained it to him and so we're still helping people understand sure. why that was. Sure. And I love Alana Life Ministries. Thank you. It's, yeah. it's, so, it's broad. It really says who you are. And yep. of course, you have increased in your areas of focus over yes. the years, too. And again, all this information, you want to know more about Lisa, more about Alana Life Ministries, check the show notes. It's all on there. Um, and let's, talk, let's just go back a little bit. And we want to talk about the book. In fact, what we'll probably do is next week come back and have you really, really, really okay. focus yeah. on, on the book. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you a few more things about leadership that w- would help us here in this first podcast. And that is, what are some mistakes you made as a leader? Or haven't you made any? Oh, my are word. Are you this perfect leader? Huh. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say the biggest mistake, well, first of all, I, I really don't think I ever took a leadership course to learn how to be a leader. And so I think I just learned from my parents Uh and somehow maybe in my observation of leaders, what I was seeing is that they were lone rangers. Okay. And so uh, for the first 13 years of ministry, I, I led as a lone ranger, which was what I mean by that is that I would hole up with God. I would find out what he wanted to do with the ministry. I'd talk to him. I'd hear from him. And then I would sell the board on it, and I'd sell the staff on it. And I don't mean that in a manipulative way, but I would just share with them. This is what I think God's saying. That's all you knew. It is all I knew. <laughs> and then they, the board would maybe tweak it some. And the staff, I mean, I, I've always been an affable person. I'm not right. a dictator. Right. I'm not like, you know, controlling right. or any of that. And so it all worked pretty well. Sure. People came along and, and the ministry grew. And so that is a mistake on a number of levels. So how to, do you lead differently today? Oh, my word. It's the polar opposite of that. I lead in a way that I would describe as a corporate discernment. So everybody at the table, department by department, has their own relationship with God. They have ears to hear His voice. And as we worship Him and talk to Him together, we're all going to hear from Him and be able to weigh in to what He's saying, you know, the direction that He wants us to go. And what happens then is that it's not about me. It's about him. Like yes. what happens is he literally becomes the leader of your ministry, not just in name only, because those mm. at the table are knowing like he's speaking to us as we're praying. And then you also have much greater buy-in because those people were at the table right. when God spoke exactly. and they know it's God and they have the motivation you know, the conviction to move in that direction. They're not just following a, you know, a charismatic or flamboyant or visionary leader, you know, of me. They're following the best leader. <laughs> Jesus, the, the the leader of all leaders. Exactly. Yeah. The CEO well, of our ministry. 
I love that. I love that. Yeah. You know, when I, we served together in the regional leadership for many, many years, and yes. that was always your heart. I could always tell that, that yeah. you know, you were not a dictatorial leader. You were someone who heard from the Lord, but you want to hear what God's saying through others so mm-hmm. that together we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, Christ yes. in the midst of us. Yes. Uh, do, do you have any persons in your life say, these persons were mentors to me. They've really helped me on my journey. Are there any persons like that? Yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, there were a couple of men they were you know in leadership in the church who who saw something in me and were praying for me and speaking Beautiful. into my life in a way that made me think huh there might be something god wants me to do with my life that's beyond what i would picture you know so there was that but then when i started at the ministry 37 years ago sure. the um founder of our ministry for 10 years was uh, like a professional and a personal mentor to me Good. she was Good. she was older, wiser, more mature, um, an excellent writer. She's somebody who helped me to write better, and she was very organized. And so I learned a lot of professional skills and also spiritual Mm -hmm. depth from her. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the president of our ministry back then, or the chairman of the board of our ministry back then was her husband actually, and he he mentored me in also organizational ways. Like for sure. the first five years, he had me keep a timesheet recording what I did in every 15 minutes. It was the craziest thing I was, ever. I did that too for a while because somebody encouraged me to do the same. Yeah, there must be. I don't be do it anymore, by the way. Me either. <laughs> and actually, over the weekends, I would find myself being tempted to write down what I had just done. But I mean, I would categorize it all at the end of the week and send them the report of like 23% of my time was with our volunteers, you know, 15% was with our clients. And, and it was, you know, helpful in that way because it kept, it kept me accountable, right. uh, kept me being productive. And then uh, later on in life, there uh, would have been a woman who was more seasoned in intercession. Mm. And I was mentored by her for a number of years. And then throughout my whole time in ministry, Keith Yoder uh, has been been a spiritual advisor of our ministry Uh and a personal mentor to me who has spoken um, the most life-changing truth into my life, really, straight from God that has, is really formative within our ministry. Mm-hmm. So. It's really important that you share these things because, you know, people look at you as a dynamic leader, you are, and yet you had all these people who've you know, spoken in your life yes. and helped you in the whole process. Yes. And sometimes people think, well, someone just becomes a leader. No, there's always the story behind the story. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get out today. Yeah. Any other stories behind the stories that helped well, you in your journey? I just am thinking of many years ago when I I first discerned that it would be good for me to take some personal retreat time, you know, related to the ministry. I remember calling you on the phone and I I was such a um, type A personality, you know, wanting to charge ahead. And so I thought of these two days alone with the Lord and what all I could accomplish and just wanted to hear what all you accomplished in two days like that. And I think you picked up on that in me and you said, Lisa, I just want to give you the freedom to like take a nap if you get tired on that retreat. I don't remember you that. You did. And 
And I thought, like, wow, that's so different from what I thought I was going to accomplish so much. <laughs> but I did take a nap on that retreat. And, I mean, you said other things as well, but it was like you gave me permission to be human right. and to relax with the Lord and not, you know, kind of be checking off boxes of what I was accomplishing in my time of, like, oh, I read this book of the Bible or I got this half year of plan ready for the ministry, you know. So it wasn't so much a working retreat as it ended up being a a resting and responding to God's leading kind of a retreat, thanks to your input. Oh, that's good. I I hadn't even remembered that. Yeah, it was way back. I do remember when you took that retreat. I remember that. So I knew we had some conversation about that. Yeah. So leadership today seems much more difficult, at least for especially those involved in church leadership than it was perhaps 20, 30 years ago. And what are things the leaders face today that you see that may be a bit more difficult mm-hmm. uh, to walk through than maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago or more? Yeah. I would think um, the cultural changes. Yes. Also the difficulty of COVID. Um, I think there's an exorbitant amount of pressure on leaders. I see that within the leaders within our own ministry. And so um, all of that to me points to the need for time with the Father That's right. as an individual, as a leader, and then also with your team. I think that's the only way to survive. And um, I mean, for our ministry, going through COVID, there was a lot of pivoting, which of course everybody did, and certainly churches needed to do that, but we did as well, you know, almost week by week pivoting. And so you're so focused, almost like hyper-focused on how to navigate this, and and you're in crisis management mode, which, you know, has continued for some time for, right. for leaders. Right. And at the end of uh, 2021, as I was spending time with the Lord and then later with our team, the scripture that God highlighted was Isaiah 54.2, um, you know, uh, enlarge the space of your tent, stretch your curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes. And so here was God in the midst of, um, you know, a season where there's been a lot of crisis management, and he's saying, do not hold back, like kind of like move forward. So I think like his word for our ministry was get out of that crisis management mm-hmm. mode. Mm-hmm. Stop going just from crisis to crisis. Like I'm on the move. I have things I want to be accomplishing. Listen to me, press into me for what those priorities so are, even in the midst of these challenging times. Of course he has priorities. Of course he has the very best things that he wants us to put our attention to and our efforts to. Otherwise, we'll just be trying to do too much and we won't be doing the right things really Correct. well. Correct. Lisa, there's two more big areas I want to talk to you about, and I realize we're soon out of time on, on our, our podcast today. I'm going to be back next week, and we're going to talk about the first of these, and that is you're an author. Mm-hmm. You wrote this book, The Unexhausted Leader. Love, love the title. Tell us a bit about why you wrote the book, yeah. and then next week I'll have you back. I'm, I'm going to really dig into this with you okay. and really share your heart about this. Okay. Why did you write the book? Tell us the story. Yeah, so when I first started at the ministry, I was 24, and about a year later, uh, the founder of our ministry said to me, you know, Lisa, someday you're going to write a book on leadership. She had a prophetic you know, bent to her. And I just said, why do you say that? And she said, well, because the volunteers who are drawn to the ministry are sharp, awesome, godly Christian women and some men, and and they stay. 
they're not leaving after they right. meet you and work with you. And right. so, you know, good leaders have good followers. That's true. And so you're a good leader. And I thought, well, I'm not any better of a leader than like I was raised well. My parents were good leaders. Sure. And I know nothing about leadership. And I thought I had to laugh thinking like, yeah, I should write a book on leadership, just like John Maxwell and all the other brilliant leaders out there, which, of course, was just ridiculous to me because I'm not like him. Uh, but then... About 13 years into ministry life, God radically shifted me from being a Lone Ranger leader to being one who, as we've talked about, right. would sit with my team and worship the Lord, interact with each other about His greatness, hear from Him. And about about a year into that, and you know, we can talk more about it next week, but I realized like, oh, this is book worthy. Like I can write a book about the best leader, you know, God, I'll write a book about that. And so, and it was so transformational within our ministry, even in that first year. Now it's a 24 year old paradigm that is not old, that never gets stale, that continues to deepen and be strengthened within our ministry. But already that early into it, I could see that, yeah, this is book worthy. I should write a book about this. And so then, then I did. They but say, not. It wasn't easy to write a, great, a book. It's a great book. Well, I, <laughs> obviously you. I know that. Yeah, <laughs> I've written quite a few. <laughs> right. uh, this is a great book. I read it cover to cover, and I was, you know, honored to endorse this book. It's a fantastic book. Thank you. And next week we're going to talk. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about this, so we can really un- unload this thing for the body of Christ. The Unexhausted Leader by Lisa Hassel, living in the secret of productive pause. I love that. <laughs> This is powerful. I recommend anybody, you can get this in Amazon and mm-hmm. wherever you buy books. One more thing I want to ask you before we close today. I know you lost the love of your life. Yeah. And uh, we may even want to do a podcast on that. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I have found, and I'm sure you've found a lot more than I have, that the body of Christ doesn't know how to relate very well right. to those who've lost a spouse. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about that. I know we're, we're soon out of time, but talk to us a little bit about that, uh, how that happened, what happened. Yeah. And we'll, um, we'll come back and talk more about it then. Yep. We were married for 32 years when Ron was diagnosed with a cancerous, fatal brain tumor. Um, I was led to be his primary caregiver, did that for 13 months, took mm-hmm. a leave from work. Um, and then he went to heaven in September of 2019. And if I had thought about what it would be like to lose a spouse before I lost him, I, I pictured that it would be like searingly painful for a while, mm-hmm. not just a year, but longer than that. What I didn't envision that that not only do you lose your spouse, you lose your social structure mm-hmm. because couples, even Christian couples, aren't inclined to continue to embrace a widow or perhaps a widower, I'm not sure if men would say the same thing. They do initially, mm-hmm. but they don't continue to, I think because they they don't know what to say, they don't know how to relate. Mm-hmm. And so you have um, the collateral damage and loss of going through the loss of a spouse is huge and, and uh, horribly painful yeah. because you're already, you've already lost you know, the main earthly person in your life. And now you're experiencing the absence of relationships. And for me, close female friendships were awesome and continued through that time. 
But um, yeah, I think people don't know what to say or don't know that I'm two and a half years past when Ron went to heaven. Sure. I still like to talk about it. I would like yeah. people to come up to me and say, Lisa, what is, what's it like two and a half years into mm-hmm. having lost Ron? What's it like now? Or what has God taught you? Or what perspectives do you have now mm-hmm. that you didn't have then? Widows actually have a lot of wisdom to share, and it would be good for people to get mm-hmm. to know them and press into their so story good. instead of avoiding them. Backing off. We're yeah. going to talk more about that. There's, that is a message the body of Christ really desperately yeah. needs. So we're going to talk more about that. But thank you for being with yeah, me today welcome. on the podcast. And again, this is Lisa Hassler, the author of The Unexhausted Leader. Great book. And uh, check out all about Lisa and about the ministry. She's the president of Align Life Ministries on our show notes. And uh, we're looking forward to being back with you next week as we continue to learn these simple things, these small changes we can make that make a huge difference if we apply them as the Holy Spirit leads us to do that. So, Lisa, thank you again. And we're going to have you back next week. So thank you for being willing to do that. So God bless you all. We look forward to connecting with you again next week as we talk more about leadership with Lisa Hostler. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.